song of the power of Jesus' name and the power that's found there. We're going to be reading about some of those things uh, this morning in Mark chapter 10 as we look at uh, an event in the life of Jesus and His followers and how that power of His name was exhibited. Let's pray one more time before we start. Father, thank You so much for allowing us to be here for allowing us to be here together, for allowing us to be here for the purpose of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, that as we enter into this service today, that you allow us to, to set aside those things that might distract us, those worldly cares that uh, might have accompanied us this morning. We pray for this time. We can look past those and we can see our Savior. We pray as we look into your word that you would uh, illuminate it to us, Lord, that you would help us to understand it, to see things from the scriptures that we need in our lives. That we might be changed people when we leave today. We might be more equipped to serve you. That we might have a greater dedication to follow your leading in our lives. And we just pray, Father, that uh, uh, you would speak to us in this time. And guide it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read uh, Mark chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in verse 46 if you want to follow along. It says, And they, this is uh, Jesus and his disciples, and his followers, And they come to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the the highway side begging. That term uh, Bartimaeus, uh, in that language, the term Bar simply meant son of. So Bartimaeus simply means son of Timaeus. That's what we see here in verse 46. Verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So we look here, uh, I want us to remember before we start, just like I, I think I reminded you last week, this is real events that are taking place here. This isn't a parable, it's not a story, it's not a fable. And I think it's always helpful when we, when we think in these terms, these are real people. And try to imagine what it would have been like if you'd been there, if you had been a blind Bartimaeus sitting by the wayside begging. What, what would it have felt like to you? What if you'd have been a, among the followers of Jesus who were walking down the road that day? And how would, that, how would these events have unfolded to you? How would you have felt? Or if you'd been an onlooker, not, not, not a participant at all, just somebody sitting back looking and, and thinking, well, what's going on down there? Try to imagine those things because I think it's helpful sometimes to remember. It's always helpful to remember that these really are real people. These are real events, and these are people, at least in the, in the case of Bartimaeus, this is a man who had a serious need, and we need to remember that. This, it's not just, and, and then I think at that point, the words jump off the pages to us because it starts to feel more like something that, that we could uh, identify with. The place we're looking at here is on the outskirts of the, the town of Jericho. Background, uh, a little bit, uh, Jesus and a, and a large following uh, his uh, disciples, the apostles, no doubt, and other followers of Jesus, they're on their way from Jericho to the area of Jerusalem. That would have been somewhere, maybe a little more than 15 miles uh, to walk. So they've got a long 
distance to go ahead of them. There's a lot of conversation that can be happening here, a lot of things going on. In uh, just a few, uh, a very short period of time, we're going to have what we refer to as the triumphal entry of Jesus when he entered into Jerusalem. And you remember all the people, they were, they were thinking that he was about to set up the kingdom of God. And if you want to turn over, uh, still in Mark, no, you don't have to turn over, it's probably right where you are, Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 8, we'll read that not too long after what we're reading about this morning, this is going to happen. And many spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches off the trees and straw them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. These events are about to happen, not, not far off. So they're on their way to Jerusalem when this is going to happen. It was going to be by, followed, we know, by Jesus' betrayal, by uh, his unlawful conviction, by his crucifixion, his death on the cross. So we're at a point in time when, when Jesus meets Bartimaeus that his earthly ministry is drawing to a close. That's the setting. That's the time setting that we're talking about here. I want you to imagine the tension that's building among the people who are following Jesus at this point. Because some of them or well, let's, let me back up a little bit. Jesus had told the, the apostles what was, what was coming next. Mark, you're still in Mark chapter 10 probably. Look at verse 32. This uh, had, had happened just recently in the past. It says, And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. So Jesus has explained this to the apostles. He's explained it in the hearing of some of his other followers before. Some of them seem to have started to grasp what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem. Others still don't get it. We read earlier, when he got to Jerusalem, people were throwing tree limbs in front of him. They were casting their, their outer garments in front of him for him to walk on because they thought he was coming to establish the kingdom of David, to reestablish that. They thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government. So they had their expectations. You've got the apostles among the group who are saying, nah, I don't think that's what's going to happen. He just told us he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be He's going to give up his life. And so as this group is going down the road, can you imagine the, the tension among them? Some of their arguing months maybe. No, no, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be a kingdom. We're going to be part of it. And this is great. That's the reason, whole, whole reason we're coming. Now you need to settle down a little bit. Cool your jets a little bit. That's not what's going to happen. Jesus has told us. That's not what we're supposed to be looking forward to. And so you can imagine this, this large group of people going down the road to Jericho and this blind man sitting there, listening to this, this crowd of people coming. That's the setting that we're talking about. I'm going to call this, uh, this the series of events, the son of Timaeus meets the son of David, because that's what we're going to see here. Look at verse 46 again. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. 
Now Mark doesn't give us any, any comment on what Jesus had been doing in and around Jer- uh, Jericho at that time. Just that they're now leaving and they're, going, they're headed toward Jerusalem. We know that from earlier verses in the chapter. So this entourage with Jesus is leaving Jericho. He's got his disciples with him. He's got his apostles. He's got a great number of people, we're told. Now that can mean, the, the Greek there, that great number, it can mean a large quantity of people. But it can also have, interestingly enough, the, the idea of worthy people. And I'm wondering if it could have also meant people who thought they were worthy. These are people who are followers of Jesus and they want to be close to him because they think he's going to Jerusalem to set up the kingdom. Can you imagine that? And have you ever heard of people, the people who tell, like to tell their grandkids, you know when Martin Luther King marched, I was right there with him. When such and such happened, I was right there. And I got a picture, I got a Polaroid I can show you. I was right there at his right hand. There were people in this crowd, I guarantee you, who were thinking, I'm going to be able to tell my grandkids about this. Jesus set up the kingdom. We were walking down a road. It, well, you wouldn't believe how great it was. How, it was an electrifying air. And there's all this discussion going on. So they're going down the road to Jericho, and then we're told that they passed by where a blind, blind man sat begging. Do you remember anything else from Scripture about the road to Jericho? Anything you've ever heard about it? Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? There's someone walking on the road to Jericho and he's, he's overthrown or he's, he meets this, this band of bandits, I guess, and they attack him, they leave him, they beat him, they leave him for dead, they rob him. The road, history tells us that this road to Jericho was a very dangerous place. And here sits a blind man on the side of this road begging. He can't see anything. He doesn't know who's coming. And he hears this conglomeration of people coming toward him. Couldn't that be a little scary to you? If you're sitting there, you have no idea what these people are. All you know is they're very loud. And there's a lot of discussion coming and it sounds like there's a bunch of them. And here he's sitting there listening. But we read something else. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. When he heard it was Jesus passing by, now he doesn't need to be afraid. It might be a dangerous road. This may be a large crowd of people and he can hear that. But he hears that in that crowd somewhere there's Jesus of Nazareth. And he's heard about him before. And so he started shouting out. He said, thou son of David, have mercy on him. Have mercy on me. You see, his blindness, it hadn't affected his hearing at all, had it? He could hear very good. I want you to think about it. Uh, people tell us, doctors, scientists, people, researchers, they tell us that if, if one of our senses is taken away from us, the other ones seem to, to become enhanced. You hear about people who have lost their sense of hearing, maybe their sense of sight or their sense of smell is enhanced to kind of make up for it. So you can imagine a, a man who's been blind, he's sitting by the wayside, his ears are perking up. Because the only way he's going to make a living is by begging and asking people come to, who come by to give him something. I suspect maybe this man, if he's been sitting here long, he can probably hear the change rattling in somebody's pocket when they walk by. And he's going to cry out, oh, please help, alms for the poor. I'm sure he listens to conversations when people walk by. And if some farmer is walking along with his friends, saying, oh, yeah, I had a good wheat crop this year. And aha, now Bartimaeus is thinking he's got money. He had a good wheat crop, and so we can yell out to him. So his sense of hearing, I'm sure, has been heightened at this point. And so he hears this large group of people coming, and he hears that Jesus is in there. So he shouts out for him. 
Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I think he had heard more than Jesus' name. I think he had heard about Jesus' healing power. Everyone in that area had heard about that, no doubt. We're getting close to the end of Jesus' ministry by this point. People knew him. His reputation had spread far and wide. I think he had heard of his healing power. I think he had heard of his teaching. He knew the things that Jesus taught. He knew that Jesus sought to help people who needed it. And Bartimaeus is sitting there thinking, ah, who needs it more than me right now? I need something from this man. He knew, I'm sure he had heard by now, that there were claims that Jesus was the Son of God. And so Bartimaeus is thinking, if there's anybody around that can help me, this man is the one who can do it. Jesus. And so he calls on him, Jesus, thou son of David. He believed Jesus, I believe, I believe this, that he, he thought Jesus or knew Jesus was the promised Messiah. He knew that he was the promised heir to David's throne. He knew that he was the promised deliverer. And that's what he was counting on when he called out to that crowd. Look at verse 48. It says, And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal. And that term great means just that. Great in quantity. He kept calling out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now you must say, very likely, you have to call that out pretty loud. You get a big crowd of people. You don't believe this? That a crowd of Jesus followers can, can be noisy? Go to any restaurant after church today and watch any group of Baptists descend on a restaurant and you will hear how loud they can get. It's disgraceful sometimes to hear the... the and, and Never mind. We won't go any farther. You get the point. You get the point. So, he cried out the louder. And the sad thing is, we're told here in this verse, in verse 48, that many in the crowd told him to hush. Stop. Now just... Just stop a minute and let that sink in. These were Jesus' disciples. Supposedly, you remember I said earlier, that term great crowd, that great number could have meant worthy people. These were a great number of people who might have considered themselves worthy disciples of Jesus telling a man who's calling out for help to hush. Stop it. Just be quiet. we got places to be. Let that sink in. Why in the world would they tell somebody who needs Jesus to be quiet? We, we can't comprehend that. They have heard, these, these followers, the apostles, the ones who were following Jesus, they had heard that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. They had heard, or they had seen Him heal the sick and raise the dead, hadn't they? They knew He was willing to do that. And yet here's a man sitting on the side of the road, blind, calling out for help, and they're saying, shh, leave Jesus alone. We don't have time for this. Why in the world wouldn't they want him to help Bartimaeus? Is the question that comes to mind, isn't it? Could it be that maybe they were a little more interested in getting Jerusalem and getting Jesus to the point where he could set up that new kingdom so they could be a part of it? Is it possible that they had a mission and their mission was more important than helping Bartimaeus? They wanted to be a part of that. And anything that stood in the way of their agenda to them was a problem. And so Bartimaeus, maybe to some of them, was a problem. Does that sound familiar at all? It does sometimes, doesn't it? You know, I, I, it's kind of sad, but I'll guarantee you there are churches where there will be people who are thinking, we need new carpet. And it's going to cost whatever carpet costs now. And a missionary could 
they, you could find out that a missionary had had a fire on their house and they'd lost their car and they'd lost their house and they'd lost their clothing and they needed money. And if someone brought up in that church, we need to take that money we're going to spend on the carpet and give it to those missionaries, there'd be a fight over that. Isn't that sad? Because people, we can get so caught up in our agenda that we lose sight of the fact that God has called us to help people who are in need. And that's what I think we, we're getting a, a, just a glimpse of here. But I want you to know, Bartimaeus did not give up, did he? He knew he had a need. And he knew that Jesus was the one that could meet that need, and so he kept crying out. But isn't it a shame that he had to overcome Jesus' followers in order to reach Jesus? And we have to be very careful about that as Christians, that people who need the Lord don't have to overcome us or don't have to go around us to get to Him. We should be the ones inviting them to come. But I'll have to ask you just another question. Do you think that sort of thing ever happens in 2023? I'm afraid it does. I'm afraid sometimes our behaviors or our actions or our attitudes, our own agendas... They, sometimes they may get in the way of people getting to Jesus. So we need to be very careful about that. Look at verse 49. We'll see what happens. Bartimaeus didn't give up. He kept calling. And in verse 49 it says, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. So I want you to picture this again. You've got this crowd. They're following Jesus. They're going down the road to Jericho. They're on their way to Jerusalem. They're excited about this. Again, there's this electric air about them. There's so much excitement in the crowd. The Passover's coming up. A lot of people are looking forward to that. It's a very a very solemn celebration for the Jews. They were looking forward to that, to that reminder, that remembrance that God had passed over their ancestors and delivered them from a plague, the plague of death for every firstborn. They were looking forward to that. They were looking forward to Jesus triumphantly entering uh, Jerusalem. So you've got all these simultaneous conversations. You've got all this jockeying for position. I want to stand beside Jesus. It's my turn to get close to Him. If you've got grandkids, you know how that works. I want to be beside Him this time. It's my turn. You've already had your turn. All of that kind of stuff is going on, right? They're all moving in mass down the road, and suddenly what happens? Jesus stops. That's what it says here. And Jesus stood still. Can you imagine what that's like? I'll tell you what it's like. It's like the looks on your eyes when I just stop talking. You ever, you ever notice how that happens? It scares people. It worries us. If we're in a conversation and everything gets quiet, we're like, we're looking around. What's about to happen? Well, that's what happens. All this excitement's going on, and Jesus just stops. Do you suppose any of his followers kept going? They didn't even notice that Jesus had stopped. I bet there were. I bet there's people today. Uh, that think they're following the Lord and they're going on their way and Jesus is not going that way anymore. And it's clear, but they're still going. They're on their mission, right? Well, that's what happens here. He stopped. I want you to look at Luke chapter 4, if you don't mind turning there. I'm just going to read a few verses here. I think they're pertinent for uh, what we're looking at. Luke 4, uh, verse 16. This is a, an event that took place one day in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into, this is verse 16, if I didn't tell you, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. 
And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, as it says here. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. I think that's pertinent for our passage today, isn't it? To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus had taught those in that synagogue. I've been sent to do a few things and one of them is to give sight to the blind. So now they're coming alongside. There's a blind man who needs his help and Jesus just stops right where he's at. He commanded his followers to call Bartimaeus. Do you reckon when he made that call, that Jesus has stopped, all his followers are looking at him at this point, like, what's going on? And he commanded them to call Bartimaeus. Do you ever you reckon he made eye contact with the ones who had been telling Bartimaeus to hush? Wouldn't that be convicting? If you'd been the one telling, be quiet, and Jesus looked you right in the eye and said, Go call him to come over here. You go. Go tell him to come over here. That'd be very convicting, wouldn't it? But I want you to know, everyone in that crowd should have been looking for somebody they could help, don't you think? The followers of Jesus, they knew him. They knew why he was here. They knew that he'd come to preach deliverance to the captives, to give sight to the blind, to heal, to seek and to save that which was lost. Every one of them in that crowd should have been looking for people they could help that day, shouldn't they? And yet they admit the fact that there's this man over here. He's blind. He needs Jesus. He's calling out to him. And we are so busy, we just don't want to go to Jerusalem. But to their, to their credit, I want you to note their obedience here in verse 49. Also, they got Bartimaeus' attention. They told him, they had good news. What did they say? Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. They said, we got good news for you. Jesus wants to see you. He's heard you and he wants you to come, come see him. Does that sound a lot like to anyone else, the, the Great Commission? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and tell them that I want to see them. I'm calling them to come to myself. Jesus is still in that business, isn't he? Anyone who has never trusted Jesus as their Savior, he's calling to them. He wants you to come to him. And that's what he's doing here to Bartimaeus. They said, so they said, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Look at verse 50. And he, that is Bartimaeus, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. So I can imagine he's sitting on the side of the road. He's got some kind of an outer garment around him, whether it's a cloak or some outer robe. We don't know what it was. But I can imagine that it would have kept him warm on, on cold mornings or into the evening when the sun went down, if he was still sitting there begging. In the daytime, likely as not, it may have been big enough he could have kind of sheltered under it to protect him from direct sun. In any case, apparently Bartimaeus thought it was enough, it was big enough that he didn't want to trip over it because Jesus has said, come to me. And he didn't want anything to trip him up. He's blind, by the way. He can't see if the long hem of whatever this garment is is in front of him. So he just throws it aside. He says, I'm not going to have anything to stop me from getting to Jesus. I've called out to him. He's called me to come to himself. And then we see in verse 50 the last three words. There are no more beautiful words that have ever been penned. He came to Jesus. 
That is, there is nothing better than that. Nothing that compares. Everyone in here who has ever trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the same thing happened in your life. There came a time when you came to Jesus. And it's the most important thing you ever did. It far outweighs anything else that has ever happened in your life. Can you say that? We can all agree with that, can't we? And if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus Christ, that's the most important thing that could happen to you, that you come to Him because He's calling you too. And He's called, He's told His disciples to call you to Him. And that's what Christians do when they witness to you, when they share the Gospel. They're calling you to come to Christ. So Bartimaeus did that. Look at verse 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Bartimaeus comes out. He throws his, his, his outer garment, his, his robe, whatever it is. He throws it down. He, he goes to Jesus. And I'd like to think at least one of those disciples in that crowd helped him to get to Jesus. He is blind, by the way. We can't lose sight of that, can we? And so he doesn't stumble. I'm hoping someone's helping him now to get there and, and parting away for him to get there. And so... When he gets there, Jesus asks a very simple question. What can I do for you today? And it wouldn't surprise me at all if it, in reality he had said, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you today? Because he knew Bartimaeus, didn't he? He'd known him throughout all eternity. He knew this man was going to be sitting on the side of the road because he is, by the way, the son of the living God. And so he knew these things. And so he says, what can I do for you? And I want you to know that according to what we see here in the text, Bartimaeus did not waste any time telling him what he could do for him. He had a need at this point, and he believed that Jesus could meet that need. And so he told him what he wanted. Lord, I, that I might receive my sight. That's what I'd like you to do for me. And he said that with full assurance that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, as he referred to it, could do that for him. And he said that with no hesitation. There's no, no sign that there was any hesitation in, in his response to Jesus when he said, what can I do for you? I'd like to have my sight. There's no, no hesitation. There's no second thoughts. There's no uh, doubting. And there's no apology. For He doesn't come to him and say, Jesus, I, I've heard of you and I, and I know you're a great man and I know that um, I know you're busy and I know you've got all these people and I know you're going down the road and it sounds like you're headed. I can't see where you're going, but it sounds like you're headed toward Jerusalem and I'm really sorry that I'm, I'm keeping you up. And there's none of that. Jesus had called him and said, what can I do for you today? And so he told him, in no uncertain terms, I sure would like to receive my sight. And I sure do believe you're the one that can do it for me. And what did Jesus say? Verse 52, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want you to see three things here in this verse. First, Bartimaeus had asked for something. I want us to see Jesus reply to his request. I want to see Bartimaeus' remedy that he experienced, and then I want to see his response to that remedy. The first thing is Jesus replied. He said, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. You believe me. You believe I can do this for you. That faith is what's made you whole. And I want you to note it's not the faith itself, it's the object of his faith. He could, have, he could have been here with us this morning and said, I've got faith in that chair right there that it can give me my sight back. Would that have helped him the least bit? If he'd have looked at the Apostle Matthew that was in that crowd that day and said, I believe you can, you can give me my sight, would that faith have helped him at all? 
not one bit. He'd have still been sitting on the side of the road, um, a blind beggar the next day. The object of his faith. He, his faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I believe that you can give me my sight back because I believe you are the promised Redeemer, the Deliverer. I believe that you are the one that Isaiah prophesied, that you've come with the ability to give sight to the blind. I believe that you've come to deliver us. And that is what gave him what he needed. Jesus said, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. So what was his remedy? Immediately, he received his sight. Last week, you know, we were talking about the the lady uh, in the synagogue that Jesus had met, and she'd had that doubling over infirmity for 18 years. And no one had been able to help her. She couldn't help herself. Bartimaeus is in exactly the same situation. He can't help himself. And in both cases, their faith in Christ brought about immediate deliverance from what was bothering them. And so his sight is immediately restored to him. It's, it's an event. It's not a process. He didn't say go, go use the salve on your eyes and in a few weeks you'll start to see a little bit better and then come back and see me and I'll, uh, I'll give you something else and I'll tell you what to do next. None of that. Immediately he received his sight. He came to Jesus and he came in faith believing that Jesus could do this for him. Again, this is an apt example of anyone who is still lost. They've never trusted Christ as Savior. When you come to Christ and you put your faith in Him, immediately that burden of sin is removed. Isn't that good news? Especially if you've experienced that, you know how good that news is. Third thing I want us to see is Bartimaeus' response. He says he followed Jesus in the way. Jesus said, you can go your way. You've been healed. All is well. Your faith has made you whole. You can go your way now. Bartimaeus said, no, I think I'll come with you. I think I'll join in this group. By now his eyes are open. He can see how big this group is. And he can see, I think I want to be a part of this. I think I want to go to Jerusalem with you. You know, there's a good chance Bartimaeus was there the day they were throwing the tree limbs in Jesus' path when he entered Jerusalem. And maybe he was one of the ones crying, Hosanna. Glory to God. Isn't that great news? There's a lot of lessons that can be learned in this passage, I think, but I think one stands out for Christians today, especially. Jesus told Bartimaeus, He said, you're free to go your way. And Bartimaeus, of his own accord, chose to follow Jesus, what does the verse say? In the way. Not his way, but the way. The way of the Lord. He said, I'm going to follow you. Luke 18, verse 43 says, that uh, Luke's account of this, he said that, he, that is Bartimaeus, received his sight and followed him, that is, followed Jesus, glorifying God. I bet you he was glorifying God that day, don't you? I don't know how long he'd been blind. I don't know how long he'd been sitting on the side of the road begging and depending on people to, to come and bring him whatever, uh, give him a little bit of money, maybe a little morsel of food or something to keep him going. Now he has his sight. And Jesus said, you can go your way, Bartimaeus. You got The whole world is in front of you now. You can see. You can get a job. You can raise a family. You can have a wife, a home. You can be a contributing member of society. Go. Do whatever you want. He said, I think I will. And what I want is to follow you. And that's what he did. That's a lesson for Christians, isn't it? Because you see, we, we live in a generation where there's a lot of Christians that like to talk about having liberty. And you know what they mean by that? In many, too many cases, it means they want to do their own thing. And they want to do their own thing in their own way. 
And they don't want to have any limitations. They don't want anything to hinder their free expression. I just want to live my life because Jesus said I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. I've got liberty. Yes, we do. We have a tremendous amount of liberty. And so did Bartimaeus. And just like the Lord told him, you can go your way. Maybe the Lord's told us that. But maybe we'd be wise to follow Bartimaeus and say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus in his way. I'm not going to follow my way. Because I can get myself in trouble. Same way I got myself in trouble before I was saved, I can still get myself in a whole heap of trouble now. I need to follow Jesus in His way. That's a lesson for Christians, isn't it? Jesus, after all, said in John 14, 15, If you love Me, keep My commandments. If you love Me, do what I ask you to do. If you love Me, follow Me. Don't be going after your own way. Don't be going after oh, whatever, whatever excites you personally. Follow Me. There's plenty of pleasure in following the Lord, isn't there? There's plenty that we can do without stepping outside His way. I want you to note something, too. Think about this. This was the very last time that Jesus came by this way. He was on His way to Jerusalem. He was on His way to the cross. We read in, uh, verse, in, in chapter 10 of Mark, verse 32, it says, uh, when they were on the way, in the way going up to Jerusalem... And Jesus went before them. Matthew Poole, a a commentator from many, many generations ago, he says this, He, Jesus, knew that He was at this time to be the sufferer and to die at Jerusalem to show that He was freely willing He led the way. It said He led them. He went before them. You know, Jesus goes before us. This was the last time that he was ever going this way. He was leading these people to Jerusalem, knowing full well that he wouldn't leave Jerusalem. He was going to die. He was going to be put to death. He was going to die as a sacrifice. Wouldn't it have been sad if Bartimaeus had gone his own way instead of following Jesus? He would never have ever seen him again, would he? Wouldn't it have also been sad if, if Bartimaeus that day had never hadn't, hadn't cried out to Jesus? If he'd heard, yeah, Jesus is going by, but I'll catch him the next time. He sounds busy. Sounds like a lot of people. Jesus didn't come by again. That was the day that he had for calling on him. That's an example for anyone who's never trusted Jesus Christ. Now is the time when he comes by, when he calls. He says, come to me. And he he sends disciples that say, go and tell them, be of comfort. Jesus is calling you. Well, I can say, I don't know anyone's heart. If there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted Christ, he's calling for you. And the very best thing that, that can be said of you is that you came to Jesus and you did it without, without any delay. And I would urge you this morning, if you have never trusted Him, let this be the day. Call on Him. Because you know what? He is the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He will not turn anyone away who calls on Him. I can tell you that on the authority of Scripture. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the, uh, the look at uh, the, these events in the life of the Lord Jesus and uh, Bartimaeus, it was once referred to as blind Bartimaeus, but we're thankful that now, Lord, he's not blind anymore. We believe he got saved that day. We believe he gave him his sight. We believe that someday we'll see him in heaven. And I've got a feeling he'll still be glorifying God just as he was that day when he received his sight. And so, Father, we thank you for these, these words that we saw in Scripture. We thank you for the example of Bartimaeus. He was told... You've got what you asked for. You've got your sight. You can go your way now. But Bartimaeus said, I don't think I'll go my way. I'll go the way of the Lord. 
Father, as Christians here today, I pray that you might lead us to make that same decision, that we would follow you, that we would go your way, that we would obey the Scriptures and the things that they teach us and how we should live our lives, how we should behave ourselves, how we should teach others, and how we should be witnesses. We should be the ones, as, as we go our way, that are constantly looking around us to see if there are people who need what Jesus Christ has to offer and to be sure that we call them to come to it. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray they'd be like Bartimaeus, that they would call upon Him, call out to Him, and say, even as He said, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. Because, Lord, we know in the authority of Scripture that Jesus will not turn away those who call to Him. He will save those who come. And so we pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today who has never trusted Christ, that this would be the day that they come to Jesus as well. And be saved, and be born again in the family of God. As we go our separate ways, Father, we ask you to go with us. We pray that you would bring us back at the next appointed time, that you would continue to bless in this congregation, meet the needs of those that we pray for already today. We pray that you might meet those physical needs, those who are sick, those who are facing fighting disease of one kind or another. Lord, we know that you can heal if that's your will. But we all know also that your grace is always sufficient for us. And we just ask for that sufficient grace. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.